Welcome back to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. Another wonderful episode for you all covering off on the 2022 D3 Cross Country National Championships. But before I introduce today's guest, a quick housekeeping item from me. You know what to do on social media. You know we'll update you on track and field. The biggest thing you can do this holiday season is leave us a review. You know, during this holiday season, all we ask for right now is a five-star review, whether you're on Apple or Spotify, that goes a long way in helping find new listeners just like you and spreading the word of D3 Glory Days. If you're not following us on social media already, you better get over there quick. We have a lot of updates, especially heading into the indoor track season. There's links in our bio for ways to support us. We really appreciate the support you've given us over the last years, and especially this year. We have big plans for 2023, so thank you so much. We truly appreciate it. Today's guest is head women's cross country and track and field coach Donna Ricks from Carleton College. Carleton and Donna are coming off their first ever cross country trophy, finishing fourth by just one point. They were the dark horse team all season long, and they put it together on the right day to get their first ever cross country trophy. It was great to speak with Donna to hear about her experience as a multi-athlete in college and how that resonated with her and transformed her coaching philosophy once she got into coaching. We had a great conversation of how the team prepared going into the meet, what her day-to-day looks like when it comes to track season, and what she thinks can help support and continue having more women in coaching. This is a wonderful conversation. Donna brings a lot of energy. You can tell why she's having so much fun coaching for over 40 years. You know, if you go on Carlton's website, you'll see the success that they've had seven individual national champions, over 60 All-Americans. They are getting the job done. So it's great to hear how Donna and her staff are having so much success up in Northfield, Minnesota. Hope you enjoyed this one. I know I had a great conversation with Donna. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Coach Donna Ricks. I'll talk to you on the other side. Here's to the glory days. Right. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days, continuing on our coverage of the D3 Cross Country National Championships, joined now by the head coach of the women's track and field and cross country team over at Carleton College, Coach Donna Ricks. Donna, thanks for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome, Stu. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk more with you as our common connection is Coach Cassie Funky Harris out of Amherst, and she's a Carleton grad. We met you all when you came out to Khan College. Excited to hear more about your career in Carleton, but to get things started, congrats. First ever trophy over at Carleton. You all finished fourth, and Carleton's kind of was that dark horse all season, and we were saying that if you all put it together on the right day, you could be a trophy team, and sure enough, you did. And take us through from the coach's mindset when you see 22 degrees for the <laughs> forecast. What are you doing to make sure college kids aren't you know, freaking out about that? Well, we had an opportunity to prepare a little bit when the region championships happened because it was a cold day then. But throughout the week, Laura and I talked and the one thing that we had our athletes do was during our certain workouts and runs, they tried all different 
um, lengths of tights, thickness, long sleeves, you know, just sleeves, headbands, gloves. We just went through the entire running gear that you could possibly think of and um, said, let's get this done and out of the way so that they can focus on just competing and not the cold. Because if they were thinking about the cold, we weren't going to run well. We needed to go out there and show them what we could do as a team running wise. And that's what we did is we just got um, the preparations done during the week and, and move forward. Yeah. Given that obviously the regions are all spread out across the country, how much advantage do you think it is being up in Minnesota, having it in your hometown, uh, St. Olaf hosted, which right across the river there. So it makes things a little bit easier not to travel too much. Plus it's cold. Do you get that sense of advantage from being able to train and, and run in the cold at times? You know, it's really January and February where we really get the cold, you know, towards the very end of the cross country season, we see some adverse weather conditions, but honestly, September and October for the most part are really good training. Um, and I guess um, the Maya championships, um, usually it's, it's pretty decent weather, um, but by the, about the time we come to regions, it's going to be a little bit cooler. So um, we really just the previous week had been like 65 degrees. And then all of a sudden it was like, wow, I think we were kind of in the same boat as the rest of the country with um, getting our athletes acclimated to the weather. Given the rankings throughout the season, that big jump happened at Rowan when you all almost upset at the time, number one, SUNY Geneseo, just missed it by one point. I heard one of your runners went the wrong way at a different meet. And so maybe some of the earlier meet results were reflective of that Rowan meet, but given what happened at Rowan, did that start to spark something in your head? Like, oh, this is, this is something special. Oh my gosh. You needed to see Clara and the team gather as they came across the finish line one by one. And all of a sudden they're just gathered arms around each other. And Claire's like, we're a legit team. We got this. And like, we can do, you know, it was so awesome. And to see the expressions and the look on their faces, like, wow, we are, you know? And I think that really solidified that, yep, we can do this. We are a strong team. And it just really gave them more incentive and motivation you know, to work hard and do the right things. Yeah. I feel like that weekend is always the momentum builder of sorts in this season. Cause then you on, went on to my ex, you beat St. Olaf when they had, you guys are kind of going back and forth each earlier in the season. So it kind of gives you that like push on the gas. We're ready to go. So once all that momentum was winning, you win my ex, you win the regions. What's the message given, you know, where you all were dream day for you. If you could, if you could think of one heading into that meet. As I alluded to just a moment earlier, kind of um, one of our former athletes, Emily Kagi, it was always, let's bring home the hardware coach, let's get on the podium. And Emily graduated, I believe, four years ago. And, you know, even now she's been in contact with Clara and our team and sending them good luck messages. And, you know, I think that's been a goal of ours for a long time. Um, you know, really the success of this team. The foundation has really been laid over the last, um, you know, 10 to five years with the previous teams. Um, there's been a strong history of distance running for us at Carleton, and those women really got excited and they brought each other along. And, you know, they laid that foundation for this team. And, 
you know, prove to them that, um, you know, we finished as high as fifth a couple of times in the last 10 years and that, hey, you can do this. Um, like Emily, when we finished fifth a few years back, she brought along Meg Matheson. It was her first season ever of cross country. And it's like Amanda Mossberg worked with Clara and then now having Clara um, on the team and bringing her just dedication and passion for running really set this up. And honestly, this whole season um, has really, you know, like you said, it started with Rowan and bringing home the sword. Um, and I don't know if you saw the pictures with the sword and the pig, we just kind of have to chuckle. Um, that was a lot of fun. But then doing it again at Myax and then at Regions, I thought, oh my gosh, we had three amazing meets in a row can we do it a fourth time? And um, they certainly proved that they could. And honestly, I couldn't have written a better season for us. Yeah, one thing we talked about here internally at D3 Glory Days was your all's one through five spread because it was clear there was talent there, but the spread from Clara down to your number five like had to shrink a little bit. But given what you can do up front, you know, you can kind of combat that. Was that something you were, you know, speaking to the team about going into the national league that if we can keep this spread? low, we could have a shot at a trophy? One, one of the things we knew in order to race well at, whether it was Rowan's, Mayaks, at Regions, that we needed all seven runners, that every one of them mattered, every one of them counted. And I think um, when looking back at those results, everyone saw how instrumental they were. You know, yeah, it's great to have Claire run so tough and be so consistent. And then have um, our freshman Hannah step in the way she did, but it needed to be a total team effort and theirs just as valuable. But when they saw how important they were and how relevant they were, um, the fire, they just kept fueling the fire and, um, you know, just stepped it up and did it. We, we focus a lot on what we need to do um, and how we need to implement our races. You know, sure, we you know, there's talk of other teams, but um, we really just focus on, on what we can control, what we can initiate, like our race strategies and, you know, things like that. You mentioned something right before the last question about, you know, this kind of stemmed from five to 10 years ago, and you've all made the national meet since 2011. It's kind of this long streak now. Knock on wood. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Knock on wood. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. What do you do as a coaching staff to kind of, you know, obviously culture is from top down or bottom up, depending on the way you look at it, but what do you do to make sure it kind of continues on each and every year? You know, just like this is a total team effort, it's a total coaching team effort as well. My assistant coach, Laura Alberis, was one of my former athletes, just like Cassie was. I, I love to bring the women into coaching. And um, I think it's really important for us to understand the balance with them, with Carlton and, um, you know, their academics and their athletics as well. But the team culture is key. Like we can set some of the, you know, standards or things that we're looking for, but we have had, um, especially this year as well as in the past, we've had excellent leadership with our captains. That's really been important and I feel really re um, relevant. 
everyone on the team matters. And that's what we try to get across, you know, across the board, whether you're the number one runner or the 22nd runner, you all bring something to the team. And I know coaches say that a lot, but what we try to do our best at is checking in with all the athletes after the quality workouts and hanging around afterwards. Um, so we're available and interact with them. Um, but I think, um, you know, understanding too, like what can they handle? Um, you know, mileage wise, um, you know, with the number of repeats and intensity, you know, just really getting to know them, communicating with them, I think is what's really important. Um, you know, things aren't always perfect. We work hard, we do our best and the athletes know that. And I don't take them for granted. And I, I know that being on a team is a big responsibility. There's a lot of rewards for it too. You know, a lot of great friendships and camaraderie built. Um, um, but, but I think it's just how much they support one another and care about one another. And they know that we care about them too. One thing looking at your team right now, uh, especially the ones one through seven that ran at the national meet all, but Clara looks like are going to return. If I'm doing the T first things correctly and looking at the graduation years instead, I guess we can touch on Clara here then, you know, how much of an impact has she had, you know, being the senior leader, having a younger team, working with Hannah Pricer to, you know, to get her up into the mix as well. And just what she's done for the program. And the, the one thing Clara, um, every day she comes to practice with a purpose and she obviously has a passion for running that just by who she is and how she shows up every day and is present you know, she impacts, impacts the team in that way. Some of the other things that our athletes realize is that, you know, Claire is a higher mileage athlete. And, you know, as a result of that, um, she can handle more mileage. She's got the body build, um, you know, she's knock on wood, um, strong and healthy and hasn't been injured. Um, and I think one thing they realize too, is that, you know, she's talked to them a little bit about, um, you know, within your own ability, what you can handle, like we need to, the entire team needs to bring up their mileage a little bit. And, you know, I believe that too, we we're a pretty low mileage team in general, and we've really, some of the athletes now were ready to take up their mileage and they wanted to. And I think that's some of the difference, what you saw in Libby Rowland and Sophie McManus and Phoebe Ward this year, they were able to handle some more mileage that I think really impacted them overall. And, you know, Claire too, she does all the extras and she went and worked some running camps this summer at Washington and at Oregon and brought some things back for the team to do afterwards. She's always the last one there stretching, um, doing all the little things that matter. And th the team's caught on and they realize that, um, you know, these are some of the things that it takes and they're willing to do it and they're willing to work hard. But um, certainly um, she has impacted them. Would I love her back another year? Yep. <laughs> it's not in the cards. She's ready for grad school and, and um, looking for some opportunities. Some D division one schools are obviously looking at her and she will certainly impact them in a variety of ways. So I'm sure there's a way to figure out a way to have her, you know, take some grad school classes <laughs> online or something. Surely with all this COVID <laughs> stuff, you can figure out a way to have her back. I'll, I'll let you put in a plug, Stu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> you mentioned that those three owners there, Sophie McManus, Libby Rowland, and Phoebe Ward. Looking at that recap, they all made big jumps from one national meet to the next match, this year's national meet as well, and within the race too. You know, where you mentioned that they increased their mileage, but how pivotal was them to kind of have this jump in the season to get your team to the, onto the podium? Huge. It was a very big impact for us. Um, I also believe that their ability to be able to handle some more mileage brought them some confidence, um, you know, and, you know, up their game, even in their quality workouts. Um, but definitely their, their impact, um, you know, we, we needed that to happen and they made it happen. Um, also too, in there, a um, couple of things like Helen Cross, I think, you know, unfortunately, Helen ended up getting um, an injury during the summer and actually wasn't able to start running till the very end of August, beginning of September. And we brought her along really slowly and said, all right, Helen, you know, my axe is what we're shooting for. Um, and she, um, we're just going to wait and just be patient and trust the process. And, you know, she demonstrated at um, my axe, she had a good meet and at region, she had a huge meet. Um, I don't think what people knew what happened at the national meet about 400 meters out, someone fell down and she stepped on her and slightly tweaked her ankle during the race. And so I know, um, you know, she wanted to be able to impact a little bit more than what she had. Well, I, she got us here. She worked hard and boy, she's already focused and fired up for indoor track. Um, she goes abroad in the spring, but then it's like, she's already talking cross next year. Um, and Mary too, you know, Mary um, was a soccer player in high school. So she is just really figuring out how to train for cross country and how to run the 6k. But I, I also think too, with Phoebe and Sophie and Libby and Helen and them, they've really just figured out how to run a 6k what works for them. And that's been instrumental. And having that previous experience at the national meet has been huge. Um, and that's why we do those trips. Um, we tend to alternate back and forth going out east and out west to gain some of that other experience. And we're pretty fortunate our administration, you know, um, supports us and backs us to be able to go out and do that. I, I think those experiences help us a great deal when going to the national meet. The elevation of traveling, I feel like has changed E3 a little bit. I feel like the teams traveled back when I was in school, but I feel like it now you kind of have to, in a way to see other regions and get those inner regional wins. And you mentioned you had the backing from your administration, but just from a standpoint of getting that experience in kind of a, almost a mock run of nationals, are you a fan of all the traveling or like, are you against it? Like what's your take on the increase in traveling to get in the middle of the season for us what generally works out when we travel like to roll and it's midterm break so um obviously we're a school that does not like to miss a lot of class time actually when we're at nationals that's our finals we're in the middle of oh. finals so navigating that uh, i think the weather was only one of the concerns of our student athletes they were figuring out um how to continue to write papers while we were out there and get all that worked out um some travel is fun. I think also it helps athletes strive to a higher level to make those travel teams. Um, 
you know, I think there's definitely pros and cons to all of it. Um, I do like, honestly, to be able to stick in the area, whether to go over to St. Olaf or have meets at Carleton here or over in Wisconsin. Um, I think that's nice to be able to do um, and, you know, kind of keep some balance in their lives as well. So um, to me, it's, it's um, helping them keep that balance as long as it's not at all cost. But I know the rankings aren't supposed to have anything to do with it, but obviously you need to get out and compete against the other regions the way things have turned. So it's almost a necessity now. To round out the seven at the national meet was Hannah Presser. She was number two on her team, 15th overall as a freshman, which is a huge impact, you know, to have a first year be so far up there. What did you see from her that got you excited to have her on your team? And was that 15 something that you saw coming? One of the things with Hannah is that coming in, we knew she was a very talented athlete. One of my concerns was I was a little bit unclear as to how she was going to handle, not necessarily the competition. She's a great competitor. There's no doubt about that. You saw that is that even in high school and all the meets that we had competed in this season, she essentially was running on her own. And once we got to the national meet, my concern was, how is she going to handle being in a pack of 25? And what is that going to do to her mindset? And I think she proved to us that, you know, obviously she can handle it and she stayed focused and engaged you know, and what she needed to do. And I was very impressed as a freshman and how she handled that. We also have another freshman that you didn't see compete for us that I'm excited about next year too. It is Aaliyah Larson um, from out West. So hopefully you're going to see some of them a little bit, or you will see her next year a little bit more as well. You mentioned the academic portion at Carleton, and for those that don't know, Carleton's, Carleton is a very good academic school and institution. It kind of is like that quintessential division three program where it's great to balance academics and athletics. And it always seems like you're bringing in some top tier freshmen and they're competing well, not only for your team, but in the nation. Can you give us an inside look at what the recruiting process looks like at Carleton and how, you know, you're getting these athletes? Are they mostly coming to you? You know, what's the whole process look like? Um, you know, often we'll get um, people inquiring um, through admissions Academically, Carleton needs to have what they are looking for. And that's one of the first questions I have when they inquire about Carleton or send me an email or possibly if we're reaching out and going to meet is, you know, what are you looking at academically? What are your interests? And, you know, do you understand like, you know, what a small liberal arts institution can offer you? Because um, after going to a state school, I had a great experience there and I wouldn't trade it. Um, but I also see the benefits of a small school where you really have the support of your professors and everyone around you is wanting to see you succeed. Um, but first, it's really about the academics. And obviously, our part of it is we want your overall cross country and track and field should be a part of that experience. And hopefully it's a great experience. Um, do we want talented runners? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And obviously we're out um, searching for them as well. I think the one thing our staff really does a great job of is developing our athletes. 
And, you know, we will get some state champions here and there, but a lot of it is we see that we are developing them. And um, so I guess it's a little bit of both, um, getting referrals from admissions and us going to seek it out. Um, you know, we don't have slots. You get into Carleton on your own accord and that's just how it is. So sometimes our teams are a little bit larger, sometimes they're a little bit smaller, but we really focus on, you know, helping develop the overall student and the overall athlete. Yeah, I want to take a step back in your own personal career. You mentioned going to state school is University of Minnesota Mankato. You, from looking this up, you don't you didn't have a distance background. You were a multi athlete, broke the school record there, inducted into the Hall of Fame, more on the track side of things. So take us through, you know, your career as an athlete, being a multi, being in the half. Love the heptathlon decathlon. Obviously, that's how I met my husband as well. <laughs> But anyway, um, really um, being a heptathlete, a multi-event athlete was the best preparation to becoming a coach that I could have ever had. Um, it allowed me to work with rowers, sprinters, middle distance athletes. I got to work with a realm of different personalities, different coaches, um, and it gave me some experiences I would have never had if I had only focused on one event. Um, you know, we didn't have cross country at high school. When I went to Mankato, they saw me out running and they were short of runners on the cross team and said, hey, do you run cross country? And I go, no. Um, but I ended up going out and um, uh, let's not go there. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, my focus, obviously, at the time, they recruited me to um, hurdle and high jump um, and even though I'm only five one, but you know, really, it was the the best preparation because it just gave me an avenue to see what athletes in all the different event areas went through. And you know, obviously, as the years went on, I my first coaching job was at Dodge City Community College. And what was really interesting about that, that was back in 82, long before you were born, I'm sure. And I was so excited to get that job. Um, I was actually hired as the men's and women's head cross country track and field coach at the time. And so excited um, to be a young woman going out of college and having that opportunity was that was also like the next best experience I could have had being a multi-athlete and then being the head coach with no assistance at the time. I, I learned a lot from, first of all, the distance athletes, the male runners that I had there that were, you know, went on to become coaches themselves. And, you know, then I went on to Mankato or no Northwest Missouri state and then Mankato state. And then I went on to Carleton. So yeah. Take us through like the early development of your coaching philosophy from a distance standpoint. Obviously you only would run the 800. So there's not a lot of distance running involved with multi and heptathlon. So where did you get your knowledge from? Who are your, some of your mentors when it came to distance running? Well, you know, I always loved to run distance. Even when I was doing the short hurdles, I would go out over the summer and run long. I always thought my true event should have been the 15. Um, I loved, I didn't train a lot for the eight. It was solid, um, but I always thought a little bit longer was where I needed to be at. Um, but in regards to some of my mentors, 
honestly, Dave was probably my biggest mentor in coaching distance running. Um, you know, um, he uh, initially, um, you know, had, was working outside of the coaching realm. And then um, we started working together, doing some coaching um, during the summer for the University of Minnesota for Club Soda and got to talking a lot about track and field. Uh, obviously he was a decathlete, I was a heptathlete. Um, but then as I got to Mankato State, we started working together and he assisted with me a bit. And then on to Carleton early on, we kind of switched around depending on, you know, what the core of athletes look like. But I feel like um, kind of the, really the premise on like maybe my foundation came a lot from um, my working with him and obviously, you know, going to the track and field conventions and talking with other coaches. But, um, you know, Dave came from a background too of a division three school and he really understood the student athletes. And um, yeah, so definitely I, I give a lot of kudos out to Dave. Sound like you bounced around a bit early in the career in terms of divisions of the schools you were at. What had your eyes set on Carlton? You mentioned Dave had D3 roots, but where did you, you know, see Carlton in, in D3 in the realm of your coaching career? Well, I went back, um, you know, I was at Dodge City Community College, then I went to Northwest Missouri State, and then Mankato State recruited me to come back. And that is where I was a student athlete. And um, I always wanted to go back and um, give back to Mankato because I had a great experience there. Um, the one thing is, uh, Leon Wonder was our athletic director at the time at Carleton. And Leon was really instrumental in hiring and wanting to hire women coaching women. And he sought me out um, and asked if I would apply for the position. And so as a result of Leon that I came and, you know, at the time it was a really difficult decision. I had just had my best recruiting year at Mankato State. So to leave that was difficult and a place, you know, that I loved. And, you know, Dave and I talked quite a bit about it because um, we were married at the time. And he said, Don, I feel like Carlton will be a really good fit for you knowing who you are and, you know, just what you believe in. And so, I took the job and I remember for a week just being in tears. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is where I belong. Like I believed in the people, the professors, what Carleton was all about academically, the type of student that came there, that they, you know, are individuals that really want to make a difference. Um, they're fun. Oh my gosh. I've got a lot of great stories um, about the student athletes there, but um, you know, and I'm, I'm just grateful and thankful I'm there. I've been there for 30 years now and I love it. Um, every time I walk through that back door across the indoor track, I think, wow, this is amazing. What do you think has been the key to your longevity in coaching? I feel like I've seen tweets from the Fast Women account that women in coaching has been on decline the last few years. COVID maybe playing a bigger part to that. And you look around the nation, there aren't, especially in Division Three, there aren't, you know, a lot of women coaching. I think the NESCAC is probably the highest population of women in coaching. So what's been your key 
to longevity. And then maybe we can touch on just like your thoughts of women in coaching in general as well. The one thing is it it definitely is something I've got written down here that has been a concern about um, that I have is the number of women that are in coaching for me. Um, I definitely have a love and passion for the sport. I love cross country. I think it's just such a pure sport. I love track and field and I love biomechanics. So that to me is just exciting. That's what track is. So it's, it's just something I loved. I remember when um, my high school coach brought track and field to Henderson High School for the first time. Um, you know, so I, you know, I was able to compete a couple of years in high school and he was just so passionate about it and excited. It just got me, you know, excited about it. It also opened up avenues for me. I met new people. I did get to travel. I had new experiences. And, you know, that's what I, I want, you know, for these student athletes too, is to, you know, just understand the values that they get from being on a team and the commitment and the trust you build in one another. And yes, it's about the coaching. And I get just as excited seeing somebody that's been running a 64 second 400 meters and all of a sudden gets down to 60 seconds or, you know, um, it's just fun watching individuals develop um, and seeing the process of them growing from their freshman year to their senior years in all aspects of their life. I mean, that, that to me is just fun. Um, and I think that's what keeps me in it. Um, obviously, you know, having a husband that understands, a, you know, a partner here that, you know, loves the sport as much as I do, and we travel the same amount. I think that's part of what is keeping women and even as difficult for men to stay in the profession, but I think especially women right now, um, you know, I was, I'm fortunate to have somebody that understands, you know, my love of the sport. Yeah. I think the travel aspect of it is an interesting case because you're kind of always going around and you at least, you know, you have Dave there with you, you know, having your daughter, did she, did she compete as for you all? Did I read that or I missed that? No, Chris is a pole vaulter, and right now she attends Whittier College, and she's a senior this year. Um, so we're we're definitely a track family, <laughs> that's for sure. Having her grow up, and you all her traveling on the weekends. How were you able to balance? You know, did you bring her with to the meets? I'm sure she's you know enjoying meeting all the student athletes. You know, she did do quite a bit of traveling with us. She was also um, a gymnast um, up through. Um, a junior in high school. So she had a lot of her own competitions, but she would come with us on spring break training trips and go to a lot of different meets. That's why she decided she would go to school out in California because we would go out there for training trips. And um, she decided that would be a good place to pole vault. And obviously Whittier's been a good fit for her. But yeah, I think the one thing is it is, it's, it's tough. And so like right now, Laura, my assistant coach, she's got two young children. And when we traveled out to Rowan, she brought Hans, I think he was like three months old. And I said, bring him along. And, you know, we'll see Darwin and both of them at meets quite a bit. And, you know, when it works, it works. And she'll go pick them up at daycare at the very end of practice and come back so she can talk with athletes. And, you know, I think it's good for our women athletes to see that you can have a family and coach 
it's not it's it's not easy. Um, I counted that um, our sport with cross country and indoor and outdoor track and field, a minimum we travel 31 weekends a year we have meets. It's a lot. Um, and that's not even counting all the recruiting. So, you know, it gets, gets to be quite a bit. So as we mentioned, we've seen a decline, you know, recently with the women in coaching, but given that you've kind of started in the 1980s, what have you seen, whether it's been growth or changes with women in coaching? Well, when I first started out in the junior college system, there were very few women coaching and I can't even think of any at the moment. When I was in division two, I remember there were three women at the time. And then when, with division three, you know, for a while there, we had started to see an increase. And now I feel the numbers are declining again. And to me, that is very concerning. And how do we bring women aboard? And I think we're going to really have to figure out what is that support system? What is that balance? I think the hours, the number of weekends, you know, are crucial and what needs to happen with that. Also, I think, you know, for some institutions, the pay in our sport um, is low in order to be able to sustain a family and daycare. Um, you know, there's a lot of different elements there, but um, I feel like providing more support, whether it's more assistant coaches or in other aspects are going to be key. But I think there's research, we're often getting questionnaires like asking me like, how long have you been in coaching? What are the hours like? What is your support? I think the real question needs to be is we need to find those individuals that have stepped away from coaching and ask them why and get that true sense of what were the reasons and what can we do? I think those are the individuals that we need to tap and do some research on to get more of a thorough answer on how to bring back and encourage more women to step into coaching. Given that you've been coaching 30 years at Carleton, what have you seen from your ADs that provide support or just other coaches and staff that, you know, allows you to be able to balance both family and coaching? Cause as you mentioned, like it's, it's everyone coming together to make this work, especially in the coaching profession. Right. You know, I think some of the things too is um, we're very fortunate to have like Mickey Showers and Aaron um, that operate our, our rec center to, you know, help us out with like, um, you know, workout times and getting in the facilities has really been instrumental. I think in recent years, um, bringing on a strength coach has helped. That's one less aspect, um, you know, that we can be taken off of our plate. Um, you know, I think the all colleges can use more resources, you know, um, you know, health resources with mental health and injury. I know we, um, you know, in, in regards to student trainers and things, all of that's really important. I feel like Carlton has done a a really good job we in regarding um, we've got excellent training facilities that really helps a lot like having 50 miles of of running trails in the arboretum is huge for us and it's a great resource having that indoor track and keeping that up and having that been built since i've been there has been a real positive for us um, you know the outdoor facilities are really nice so um, you know, and then having, you know, budget to be able to do some traveling has been good. I do feel like our administration, Gerald and Heidi, 
they try to do everything that they possibly can to support us, you know, within their means. Everybody's always looking for more, but, you know, I, I'm grateful, you know, for the support that they give us, definitely. What do you think can be done to maybe uh, attract or keep women in coaching, especially given this decline? I'm, I'm blanking on the statistics and indoor track, outdoor track and cross country was given like an F grade overall in the entire nation in terms of women in coaching and, and being able to provide that support. So what do you think is needed to have the longevity like you've had? Stuart is definitely support staff, whether it's really competent athletic trainers, whether Shaq, it's our mental health aspect of it, dietitians, sports psych people, um, you know, division one, has most of that at their fingertips, where I think coaches in division three, um, you know, we're doing a lot of that. And we're expected to be the experts in all of this. And we're not, um, we can guide you to where you can get the help, we can be that support person for you, um, as well as your teammates. But there really needs to be, you know, um, more additional help out there in those regards. You know, hearing that, I was looking on the website and saw you have a small coaching staff. You indicated Laura brings strength to distance coaching and that, you know, three of you of the combined staff, you, Dave and Brian, all were all Americans in the multi events, which can cover a lot of events during practice. So what does your coaching day look like, given that you're the cross country coach and have been an all American in the multis? It kind of depends on the complexion of the team at the time. Um, you know, we will step up and do co-coaching between both programs. Um, Dave will step up and help with um, vaulters or javelin throwers. Um, Brian will help out with some of the jumps and some of the other throws. I will coach Dave's high jumpers um, and once in a while work with some of the hurdlers or the decathletes in certain events. Um, you know, so basically, uh, and then obviously, um, you know, as a head coach, you're overseeing everything. And um, I will work um, obviously with the middle distance and distance as well. Am I fortunate to have Laura? Dave, you know, years ago used to help out um, you know, with the distance runners, he hasn't um, been in that capacity for, a, you know, a long time since he's been the head coach of the men's program. And um, that's, um, you know, so I, I really like oversee a lot of that. But then I do coach the heptathletes as well. So I start in the morning and I essentially go all day long coaching skills. And then when it comes to the track time at 3.30, I'm working with the runners on the track. So kind of a little all over. Um, but the nice thing about bringing Laura in, um, you know, even um, was the fact that she has gone through the program and, um, you know, has brought in some ideas as well and us having some conversations about some things. I certainly have specific ideas on how I like the training to go. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura has had some very valuable input and ideas, and we really collaborate a lot as well. You know, I'm pretty much a part of all of it. It's just yeah. kind, of, kind of how I am and how it's been. You know, um, I don't want to call out any individual, you know, All American or national champion, but I will call out Amelia Campbell 
due to the fact that she was a multi, one, two heptathlons and one pent, how I'm sure everything is special when it comes to your student athletes earning all American and winning a national championship. But how special was that given your background as a multi to see her have the career that she had? Oh my gosh. The student athletes that have had at Carleton have been such a joy to work with so easy. And Amelia, I don't think I ever saw her in a bad mood or she was always positive, willing to work. And her and I had this thing, I I can be very direct at times. (laughs) And (laughs) we had this relationship where at one point it was like, okay, how direct can I be with you, Amelia, on some of your technical work? And she's like, go. So she'd get done and we'd be like, all right, you just ran this fast or you just jumped this high or this far. But she'd say, coach, what do I need to do better? What do I need to work on? And um, she was always looking for ways to how she could improve and oh my gosh just fun as we saw those things come together was oh my just a pure joy when she set that national record indoors in the pentathlon oh my gosh what a day i recall correctly we were doing it was the long jump she ran through on her first long jump and i was like literally freaking out like in my head because I couldn't there and she comes over and I was like Amelia just need to go over here you need to get a stride in you know get your mark down and run through and you know she managed to pull it all together she was just a gamer and such a competitor Um, her senior year she ended up getting a um, hamstring injury um, in the weight room at some point, I believe, don't quote me on that, Um, but she ended up getting injured and was not able to hurdle until like a week before conference. And our whole goal was to get her to get a qualifying mark. Um, We had to get all the events in to get to conference and then hope to get a qualifying mark for conference to get her to the national meet. And I kept telling her all along, just trust me, we can do this. You've got to be patient. And, and there was a lot of talks and conversations, no doubt. And then as it came together, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, what what a competitor. What a that was definitely a highlight in my career with both Dave and I being decathletes. And you know, he was a decathlete and I was a heptathlete that. Um, to see somebody excel like that and at that level, I always thought she could go on and make the trials. I felt she was that good. She chose med school and rightly so. <laughs> Classic student athlete at D3. I know, I know, but she was a gem. There's no doubt about it. And when you have individuals like Amelia, stepping up and doing those things it just demonstrates to the rest of the team that you can do great things and you know set your sights high don't limit yourself and Amelia never set limits she just kept striving for that higher bar all the time and you know that's what you see with the good ones given the success of Amelia Campbell and at that time you know three national individual national championships, what what kind of impact did she have on the greater good of the team? And just given how good she is at, you know, a lot of events, but into one multi-event. I think the one thing um, Amelia did was um, obviously she came every day, like ready to challenge herself 
and um, push her teammates as well. And she did it in such a manner where she was so encouraging to them. She also really upped the game in the weight room. And the one thing that I have always been really a strong proponent about is our strength training and getting um, our women athletes into the weight room, I felt was really key for the success of our team. And especially at that time, our athletes really got a lot faster, a lot stronger, and it really demonstrated in their performances. And Amelia um, really did a you know, great job being, um, you know, working out hard and being a role model um, for the team. You know, in regards to all the technical work, she spent a lot of time at the track and the commitment that she made and, you know, being at the track, uh, others took note of that and realized that, you know, to get to that level um, and to elevate their performances, you know, that was key. And, you know, those, those individuals are definitely role models for us. And Amelia was just that, but what a ride we had. That was... <laughs> That was fun. One thing you just mentioned there about, you know, a highlight of your coaching career. And I glanced over this, you coached the heptathlon team USA in 1996. How, take us through, how do you get, how do you get selected for something like that? And when, you know, what, what that opportunity was like? Well, what you really find out with that, um, you know, I had um, another coach nominate me for that position and, Really, those individuals are, you know, already trained by their own coaches. And, you know, I think it's more of an honor than anything that you get to be there with them. You help them organize the logistics and get them to the track and um, do those things. And you get to see the individuals that are at a high level and talk about competitive. We went bowling one night. You should have seen that. <laughs> between the men and the women that was just a riot so fun but you know it was it was you know really more of an honor and you know they've already had their coaching um done by their own personal coaches and you know we just had the opportunity to um in, you know really um be there for them and you know represent team usa so it was a lot of fun I would think it'd be cool to have, even if you're, you know, not given the X's and O's on the day, at least like you're coaching them, making, I mean, they're the, you're the ones keeping them calm and, and, you know, calming their nerves before the competition. So a lot of, a lot of value there. You know, it's, um, there's, uh, it's track and field is just an amazing sport. Um, going to, I tell of my athletes, if you ever have the opportunity to go to the Olympic trials, do so you will see some of the best athletes in the world that will never make the Olympic team, but would make so many other Olympic teams. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, you, you know, the U S has just done a fabulous job. It's, it's amazing. It's fun to see and, um, and exciting. Kind of going back to, you know, your coaching career over 40 years now, 30 at Carleton, what is some advice if, you know, a, a younger coach is coming to you seeking, Hey, how do I get into coaching? Or what's, what's your advice of being a good coach? I'm not going to define what a good coach is. Cause I'm sure you'll do that. No, I think um, definitely find out from the head coach, what it is that their expectations are of you. And also too, I know when we've had individuals that, um, you know, want to help out or volunteer from time to time, but to, you know, 
step up, you know, step up, ask, um, you know, how can I help? How can I be of value to you? Um, you know, get that experience. Um, and now too, especially, I often have people asking me, you know, how do you get into college? And I think one of the best things you can do is like, if you can, if you're doing a graduate program to go and, um, you know, see if you can't help out or get a graduate position um, at an institution, whether it's division one, two, three, or even um, a junior college, because college experience is college experience and it goes a long ways. Um, so, you know, I would definitely, um, and also prepare yourself, you know, learn about recruiting. And each institution is very different. Um, how you recruit to Mankato State, how you recruit to Carleton, there's a lot of different elements that are involved. And you as a coach need to get to know that and, you know, get to those, um, you know, the, the USA track and field conventions. They are tremendous resources. Back in the day, we didn't have those. We had the physical education convention and you were looking for, you know, what is FIX doing or, um, you know, some of the people back then, you know, you were trying to get resources through running magazines or getting to small clinics here and there. I remember going down to Iowa State or up to the University of Minnesota, but now there's so many great resources online even, um, you know, take advantage of those and don't just specialize in one area, you know, get some knowledge, get across the board, it will help you immensely in getting a job because if you're only know about jumps and you're, you don't know how to train sprinters or you only know about distance and you don't have some of the other knowledge, um, it limits you. So, you know, try to get a, you know, a variety of um, expertise, I guess, as much as you can. And don't be afraid to ask coaches. If there's a coach, you know, ask them about their training. Most coaches will sit down and share their training plans with you. I know one of my colleagues a few years back said, would you be willing to share what you do? And I said, absolutely, but you need to understand, I tailored this now for Carleton. This is what works at Carleton here at your institution and your athletes. It might be something different. You've got to have some, you know, instinct about your athletes. Like you can learn all these programs and, you know, all of a sudden it says, I'm supposed to do this now in, you know, and if you follow those phases, okay. But really for me, a lot of coaching after all these years has really become to be a little bit more instinct. Like, yeah, we might give them, um, you know, we want you to run these 1200s or the miles at this pace or whatnot, but they might be hitting those times, but how are they hitting those times? Is it at all cost? And if it's at all cost, the workout's way too hard. So I like to be able to actually see them. And often I will go um, out on the course and watch them in the middle of their thousands or their miles to see what they're looking like um, and whether the workout is too hard or even too easy for them. But just getting as much experience out there as you can and um, don't be afraid to ask questions and get help. I'm sure you've given your athletes over the years a lot of lessons that they've taken on with them and into the rest of their lives. What's been some lessons that you've learned from your student athletes that you've kept with you? You know, they, they do keep me in check too, to realize that, 
you know, they love the sport and they're committed to the program, but they also need to have um, a balance in life. And, you know, having friends and that support group on the team is important, but also having friends outside the team is a valuable asset as well. And two, understanding, you know, that they do have other interests. Like our team's fascinating. Most people don't realize just how incredible of a voice Clara has. And um, we had no idea. She kept it a secret. And a year ago, someone says, are you going to Clara's concert? We go, what? And then the whole team shows up and she was quite surprised. She didn't realize <laughs> someone had passed the word. Um, but there's a, they've got a lot of um, talents um, and other interests and stuff as well. Um, and, you know, to appreciate them for that and, you know, respect that, um, you know, they've, they work hard and, um, you know, I think they need to know, um, you know, just how much we care about them as individuals, not just as athletes is really important. Our team gets together and they, the captains and the upperclassmen, they every year do a team campfire and they'll talk about like, what are the expectations on the teams? And, you know, here's some things you need to know about Donna or Laura or what the team is like, some of our traditions and fun things that we do to balance things out. And the one thing that they share every year is that you better know this, don't even think about laying down after a race, Donna will find you. And um, I, that is one of my biggest pet peeves and it's still pretty funny, they pass it on. But, but I have some rationale to that. And it's, um, it's kind of gotten to be a little, you know, kind of something that's people joke about or a little bit fun, but I am very serious. If somebody lays down, I am there immediately because, you know, Doris Heritage Brown, she was an 800 meter runner years ago. And I had the opportunity to get to know her a little bit when I was younger um, as a coach. And she talked about how when they brought in the 800 and afterwards, that a number of the women athletes were laying across the track and that then there was talk about, oh, how the 800 was too far. And I think about, and can they really bring in longer distances for women? And I think like we have fought too hard to be where we are at now. And if we didn't train you right, or you didn't train hard enough, or you aren't prepared to run it, then let's not do it. And when I watch these meets on television, I go crazy seeing our top athletes in the world and in the US laying down after a meet. And believe me, I get texts from alum and current athletes, coach, and then they'll take screenshots. I bet you are just dying right now and I'm yelling at the television. <laughs> but um, kind of a little fun fact um, there, but um, we've, we've worked too hard to get where we're at. And also when you get done, show your competitors that you still have more to give, that you're strong and, you know, set that standard right away. <laughs> so what happens then if you, if you get caught, if you catch them laying down? They'll get up rather quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've had a few instances. Um, it, it's uh, the, the team, they will see me literally run across the track. Their teammates will be pulling them up. Yeah. And they're like, they do <laughs> 
One question we always like to end on or get close to the end with, with coaches is you get a one minute elevator pitch for if that high school athlete out there is listening, why should they come to Carlton? Why should they come to Carlton? You get, you get one minute. One minute. One minute. You gotta, yeah, we, we've, wow. yeah, we've, we've let some people go a little bit longer, but today's not the case. If you're not going to let people lay down, we're not going to let you go past a minute. <laughs> All right. One of the reasons I, um, you know, I really strongly believe in Carlton's education. Um, the overall student athlete, I think, is, you know, what we really strive for at Carlton. Um, we focus on helping you become the best student athlete that you can become. Um, our facilities are, you know, having that 15 miles of trails on Carleton's campus with the Arboretum. You know, we're not running on pavement. We're not running in the cities. It gives you that opportunity to get a little bit of reprieve from, you know, that daily grind of the homework and the academic life to get out there and, and just enjoy. Um, I like the community. There's a strong sense of community um, within our programs, but within the Carleton campus. And I feel that's really important. Um, you do have an opportunity to get involved in a number of opportunities at Carleton, um, whether it's doing research with your professor. You know, we are not a graduate school and our focus is on the undergraduate education. And those professors, they really care about you. They want to see you succeed. And so having that opportunity, um, whether it's to do research or write with them, um, also the externships and the internships that our alums are just excited about having you participate in um, is a big aspect of our education. We encourage studying abroad where you will see that we have athletes of a number of our distance runners will be gone spring term because they want to study abroad and that should be part of the education. What a great opportunity when you are in college to go have that experience and we do encourage that. So um, to me, those are very important aspects and we really care about you as a person. And we realize there's going to be some tough times and there's going to be some challenges. We're not perfect, but we will be here for you. We will be here to support you and guide you in any way that we can. Perfect. Maybe a little bit over a minute, but we'll allow it because it was, it was so eloquent. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, Donna. And congrats again on Carlton's first ever trophy. Thank you. Thanks to Coach Donna Ricks for joining me on the podcast. We know how much time goes into coaching, so spending some time after practice, we really appreciate that. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening, either it's Apple or Spotify. We truly appreciate it. Make sure you're following us on social media, and we'll be back next time with another new episode. Here's to the glory days.